there's so many broken things about the world of blockchain games that you say, well, that's a bug that needs to be fixed. But also it's the thing that's sort of interesting about it. So sure, there's some things that don't quite add up when you write it all down and it doesn't make a lot of sense, but that also is the thing that makes it interesting. Uh, welcome to the Metacast Roundtable by Navic, and today I'm joined by Chicken Butterflyer Nico Vechik. <laughs> that sounds weird. Co-host, now. I know, right? <laughs> Co-host of the Metacast. What, what, what is that about? Okay, first, uh, okay, we'll, we'll tell about this. Let Maria continue her intro because otherwise she's going to lose her train of thought, and then I'll explain <laughs> yeah. my chicken butterflying. Okay, I lost it. <laughs> Okay. Co-host we'll, of the we'll Metacast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just let me finish this phrase because I'm, I'm, I am losing it. Um, investor at Bitcraft, uh, Abhimanyu Kumar, co-founder at Navic, and David Amor, CEO at Flamant. Okay, we did it. <laughs> okay, don't, don't we get like some, you know, animal uh, spirit names or? <laughs> <laughs> you can see that Manu joined our call late. We were hanging out for like fifteen minutes before he joined. Okay, so chicken. Wow, butterf- shame. So I'm 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 responsible for dinner tonight, and the way I like to you're making butter make chicken. chicken. Yes. It's not butter right? chicken. No. It's 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 Damn slightly it. different. <laughs> Damn it. Okay. Okay, so okay. cooking tip, it's it's amazing. I got this from the book, The Food Lab, which is a fantastic book, by the way. Um anyway, so you uh-huh. take a chicken. The problem with the chicken is if you get like a whole chicken, you can st- mm. put stuff in there, but the problem is that the legs will roast way faster than the the breast. And so that's the problem. Mm. So what I do is I, I butterfly my chicken, which means you cut out the spine and then you press it flat. And so it, it looks very flat. And because mm. it's in that shape, then all of the different parts, which actually also should cook at different temperatures because they have more or less uh, amount of fat and aye, connective aye, tissue. Aye. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, cooking is science, my friend. And um, and then so what I do is, so I do that and then I make a not kind of brine, like a, a thing. And then I rub mm. that underneath the skin, not on top of the skin. Underneath the skin is way better. And then I put that chicken on top of vegetable vegetables and then I put the whole thing in the oven. And so then you have oh the fat God. that renders and then it cooks the vegetables and it's amazing. And so anyway. This it, this was the first topic. <laughs> yes. Reverse I like cut Nico's video, I think. Just like it's passed on all the details. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Wow. Games. What an intro. I know. <laughs> Man, maybe next week I can like share my uh, butter chicken recipe also. Oh, I could share my uh, liquid meal heel recipe. Wow. Yeah. It's like you put the powder in a shaker, you put some water in and you shake it. Oh, there's a shaking technique. Oh. You have to get the shaking right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm. I'm uh, curious. All right. I'm intrigued. (laughs) Um, Chicken butterfly. I know. (laughs) Um, Before we move on to the first topic, I just want to do a shout out that you can subscribe to the Navic Digest for free. And you can get a roundup of all of the insights. Uh, this past week, we did a deep dive into Yuga Labs and the future of the Yugaverse and App 11 changing its course. So that was um, interesting. You can you can go to the Navic website and read past articles. And now, <gasps> David, you have the first topic. More more cooking recipes. I haven't got a lot to be honest. <laughs> all right, yeah, <laughs> let's move on. So we're, I, the first topic is uh, EA, right? <laughs> Uh, some yep. interesting set of headlines suggesting that EA are pursuing a sale of some kind. 
So first surfaced in a publication I hadn't heard of called Puck, which, uh, well, anyway. But it talked quite matter-of-factly, uh, taken from four independent sources, that EA had almost got over the line um, in a merger with NBC Universal, not quite agreeing something or other toward the end. But I mean, that really felt like it was about to happen, didn't quite. Um, but also that they'd been speaking to Disney in March, so not long ago, talking to Disney, to Apple, to Amazon. Um, and, and so it seems that some kind of merger or acquisition is on the cards for EA sometime this year, which I suppose isn't too much of a surprise. It was something I said you know, on this podcast. I've been surprised that they haven't been acquired by someone like Disney already. Seems like a mm. good idea, but uh, feels like that's on the cards for that company. Um, probably makes sense. And I suppose, you know, um, yeah, I'm going to do a little quiz for my other podcast. Oh no, the guess. teacher is back. Oh, the <laughs> professor is back. Yeah, the professor. Oh, I have to right. get my hand up in the air. Okay. No, look, uh, this is going to be fun. Oh, it's a quiz. I'll so what do you think is, uh, I was looking at what EA's biggest franchises are in terms of volumes of uh, games sold. What do you think is their biggest one, first of all? FIFA. Come on, this is easy. It's not a quiz. What do you say? FIFA. FIFA is number one. What's number two? Um, number, should, should I give it to you? Thanks. It's yeah, the, Sims. the Sims. Then Madden. Oh. Then yeah, the Sims man. Mm. That's ah, a yeah, big man. IP. Then yep, Madden. Yep. Then Need for Speed. Then Apex Legends. I mean, they've got. Mm. Oh, it's a reminder to me that they actually have some great IP. Now, I guess FIFA isn't FIFA anymore, but but nonetheless, you know, I could go on a longer list and talk about a bunch of game franchises that you're familiar with. My point is that. If you're a media company, then having a bunch of IP that's really familiar, like embedded in the culture of the world, or at least the Western world, is a mm. pretty powerful thing to uh, to bring into the fold. I suppose one of the things that I thought was interesting there that uh, was that uh, all of those that I just said, NBC Universal, which is part of Comcast. Um, and Disney and Apple and Amazon, none of those are games companies. There's a, um, and I wonder whether or not it's EA wanting to sort of remain at the helm of the games business. Maybe Andrew Wilson is saying, hey, let me just, sure, I'd like to be part of something bigger and capitalize on that, but, um, but still we want to be running the game, have some autonomy in the games uh, part if that happens. Um, thoughts that on that? Is that sorry? Is that the main difference between merging versus being acquired? You maintain control. Um, no, I think it, it, in that NBC Universal, at least Comcast, is a hundred eighty billion dollar company, and EA is what thirty six billion dollars. So, I mean, it's much bigger than EA. So you, it, you know, I don't know if it's technically a merger or not, but mm -hmm. but ultimately one is much bigger than the other. Are you? So, are you saying, David, that's one of the reasons it not it's it doesn't want to be acquired by a games company a games company is that if it gets acquired by non games company everyone in charge will still be most knowledgeable about games and are not at risk of being replaced or you know or being made redundant is, is that what you're saying i think there's some ego there huh? i don't know i'm just hypothesizing yes but um why isn't it embracer why isn't it sony why isn't it microsoft um 
Is it a coincidence that all of the names that have been put forward so far from seems like quite well-informed sources, none of those are uh, larger games companies? So perhaps, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think um, yeah, the... Oh, you go, Manu. No, go for it. Manu? Oh, okay. Um, and do you think this is why they didn't renew the FIFA license? To cut a potential cost and look better for merger acquisition? No, I don't think so. I think uh, that um, FIFA are getting greedy. Also a problem, as I just mentioned, that FIFA isn't, is never going to be owned as an IP by EA. It's never, FIFA is always going to be FIFA and there's a FIFA game, but maybe it's, um, maybe that's more, them asking for too much and EA not seeing that much value when they don't get to completely own the IP. They just get to be a, a licensee of, uh, of that. Right, okay. Manu, you were going to say? Yeah, I mean, even on the on the FIFA topic specifically, um, I haven't like really looked at the specific details of it, but I guess there's a difference between, or like the specific mechanics of it, but I guess there's a difference between, you know, um, <clears throat> being able to use like the FIFA name in the game name versus being able to like showcase all the different, you know, the teams and all those attached players. Those would be like just two separate relationships. And... I mean, EA, like FIFA specifically, the number of years that, or the number of iterations that game has gone through, I mean, it the gameplay is at a point where I feel it's like unparalleled in terms of, you know, uh, just quality of play. And if EA is just like able to kind of keep that relationship with those different leagues, then, you know, it like does the FIFA name really matter? I think they're planning to call it um, E. Yeah, FC or something, right? EA, EA football, uh, EA soccer, FC, EA football, FC, something like that. Um, but um, but yeah, um, I mean, just coming back to this, uh, you know, to the whole merger topic. Yeah, I guess the way I saw it and to your point, David, about, you know, the IPs, <clears throat> probably EA at this point is asking itself the question like, you know, how does it, how does it like continue to stay relevant? Uh in a world where now scale is just becoming super important, uh, you know, uh, Embracer buying up all these different developers and, you know, inching closer and closer towards, uh, you know, uh, or like as a competitor to EA, uh, the whole Activision buyout that happened uh, now with Microsoft and now, you know, uh, Take-Two also getting Zynga. Um, and EA is now thinking about, you know, how they continue to stay relevant. Um, Consoles like still makes up PC and console still makes a majority of their revenues. Uh, mobile is still like a fledgling business, I would say. Like, I'm not even sure like how well the whole glue integration is actually going. And and yeah, I mean, I guess maybe that's why like they're also like talking to you know the media companies that actually have all these IPs, which they can essentially convert into you know. Or yeah, introduce like the games audience to those IPs and just convert into like really big games businesses. Yeah, um, probably both and, ways. I would imagine that a uh, media company could do good yep. things with The Sims, and yep. I think that mm. EA could do as they have, you know, good things with the <coughs> Star Wars license. So, yep. I guess that it makes sense. I think for me, EA have lost 
Some of it's shine. I, I, full disclosure, I was at EA from 1993 to 2001. In fact, I was in the cube um, next to when we first started making FIFA. So FIFA 94, I think it was called EA Soccer at the time. So uh, I go back away with EA. And I think at that time, the reason I joined EA because it was doing things ahead of other companies and was really forward thinking. It was always on the new trend. I remember they were mm -hmm. releasing or being involved with the release of 3DO, which is like an amazing, interesting new console that didn't go the distance. But the point is they were trying new things and they were late to social, uh, really late to mobile. Um, seemingly the, the board didn't really like mobile or look down on it. But as a result, they're way, way behind. And it used to, EA used to be completely lead the field on that stuff. So um, I'd like to see a merger that somehow uh, re-energizes EA in some way, if that's possible. Yeah. Well, on the other hand, uh, EA was voted, uh, and I believe these are the employees that vote in game, sorry, gamesindustry.biz best places to work, and EA won best place, one of the best places to work in the United States. At least yeah. from that perspective, the culture and happiness of their employees seems seems great. Yeah, but but sometimes I don't know. I treat those surveys with a bit of cynicism, just because it's a nice environment to work. Doesn't mean to say the business is doing great things. I oh, mean, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I was just um, looking at the bright side. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and, like EA has done tons of great things in the past. I'm not giving EA a hard time, but. Um, you, um, in a way, I think it would be good to be part of a bigger games company to re-energize EA rather mm. than just sort of slip in behind some media conglomerate. Yeah. That's, that's true. <clears throat> I think the, other, the, other, uh, the other company I was thinking about, like potentially acquiring EA, uh, was Netflix. <laughs> but then, then I realized, okay, EA is probably too big for an acquisition for Netflix uh, at this point. But... Uh, yeah. I don't know. Bold prediction. Bold prediction. Yeah, uh, yeah. Somebody, probably, what do you I, think I guess like Apple? the. I think Apple. You, you know, like, I mean, if. Uh, yeah. I was going to say like uh, so. Apple uh, bringing out their glasses or AR, VR, etc. I think is fairly clear by now. They need a bit of a boost, don't they, in terms of ability to create engaging content that isn't just linear media. So I wonder. Mm. I don't think it's going to happen, by the way, but. Uh, Apple are a little bit behind in this stuff and, and maybe they need a bit of a shot in the arm in terms of 3D content for their new glasses. The the my one concern with Apple was just the just like a, like a like a fundamental like just a difference between um their ethos or their thinking behind how games should be monetized and that being like diametrically opposite for EA now, given like most of its revenue is like live services based uh, versus Apple that wants to go, you know, like doubling down on Apple Arcade and things like that. And and that was like my one, like it just wouldn't be like a good, you know, business model to culture fit, <laughs> I felt. Uh, and that's why I kind of st uh, struck Apple off my list. Um, but so, so uh, each one of us, who do you think is the best bedfellow for it? What, if you were in charge of EA, who would you be trying to do a deal with? I actually I thought the whole know. NBC Universal was like a pretty good choice, um, just given like all the IPs that they have access to. But I mean, that seems to have fallen through. 
um disney has been trying to like <clears throat> has been like getting into the games business out of the games business and now it's like mostly focused on like licensing out its ips um maybe there's something there uh and maybe that would be well, my second choice lego lego's bringing more of their game development into mm-hmm. lego so disney mm-hmm. could be trying to do something similar potentially um gain more from instead of just licensing but also developing by acquiring could be yeah as manu says disney come and go into the games industry i don't really understand why games is such a large entertainment business why why is disney still licensing everything out why does it sort of go all in and then go back all back out again Mm. And, and maybe it needs a bigger play to to get going rather than trying to spin up something yeah. internally. Maybe an acquisition the size of EA, which isn't enormous. You know, it's a lot smaller than you know thirty six billion dollars for EA and seventy billion dollars for Activision. Uh, so about about half an Activision, uh, but it would be a good kickstart for to start somebody's interactive or games business uh, mm. for someone like Disney or N- NBC. Mm. The the cool weird one I found was Amazon though like I I don't know why they would be talking like what does Amazon have to offer or maybe on Prime like maybe there are like I original IPs over there that uh, Amazon could kind of bring to the table but that felt like the weirdest fit. Well, isn't this a content? Um, I've heard on this podcast talk about the the fact that Netflix isn't competing with other TV shows. It's competing with screen time, with anything else. So Netflix is competing with Fortnite, for instance. Mm. And so so the rationale for Netflix to get involved with games is like, let's let's make sure we have offerings for people that want to play something interactive. So I would the rationale I would say, and it seems like Amazon and NBC and Apple, they're all sort of competing for trying to create content um, subscription for uh, for for people. But um, so maybe it's something to do with that. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I think like all, all of that does make sense. But, you know, and EA can like bring a lot of value to Amazon. But like, what does Amazon bring EA in return? And that that's what yeah, true, true. that's what I kind of like. I was kind of hiccuping on that a little bit. Um, maybe they have like some, I, I haven't looked into it, but maybe they have like original IPs uh, or like significant relevant ones on uh, Prime. But yeah, that one just felt off a little bit. Comparing to like NBC Universal, you know. Amazon found a sweet spot with Lost Ark because they man- they brought their publishing learnings and successfully published Lost Art in the Western market. I think that that worked very successfully. So I'd see them doubling down on that strategy instead of trying to lean into developing more games internally, especially with EA being a powerhouse in publishing as well. I don't see Amazon being able to bring that knowledge and support EA. Um, Mm. Either way, I think an acquisition of some kind or a merger, whatever you want to call it, potatoes, potatoes, is um, is coming for a year, you would think, later this year. Mm. I'd be surprised having tried to have those conversations with four companies that, that they're not getting further with. Uh, it, it sounds like a strategic plan for EA to be acquired or merged. So you would expect that to happen at some point this year. Mm. 
And on the topic of investment, we can go to Nico's spicy topic. All right. So context or the topic is Merit Circle DAO proposal to remove YGG as a seed investor. So there's a lot of relevant da, words da, there. Da. Da, da, da. So <laughs> this, the, what inspired this is a post. So Merit Circle is a gaming guild. Gaming guilds, um, I think the first major gaming guild that you know got uh, become, became famous was YGG, Yield Guild Games. And um, Merit Circle is another gaming guild. And so the goal of a gaming guild is essentially to, um, within the play to earn or play and earn world, guilds want to be the um, groups of individuals that together own assets, so gaming assets, that can then be used by guild members within different games to either just play the game or potentially even um, earn a return on investment. And so, you know, at YGG and I think Merit Circle are, as well are both very active within Axie Infinity. They own a lot of Axies and they rent those out to their scholars, as they call it, and then the scholars can play the game. And then there's a revenue split on the SLP. That is then the token that the that the, the players themselves earn by, by using the Axies. So that's what guilds are. Um, Merit Circle is also is a DAO. This is a, a decentralized autonomous organization. And it means that there is a token, which in this case is the Merit Circle token, that governs a treasury and that also essentially governs the organization. And so there are a lot of DAO members and contributors. And the goal of a DAO is to you know, allow anyone in the community to make a proposal that can then be put up for a vote. Um, so ever, anyone that owns a Merit Circle token or any token that is related to a DAO um, can vote on. Um, and so... I think that's that's uh, enough context. And so um, what happens? Merit Circle did their seed raise, I think uh, last year or maybe early this year, of I think about 5 million US dollars. And YGG, which is another guild, took part in that seed raise. So YGG invested $175,000. Now, Merit Circle DAO members do not consider YGG to be helpful as an investor. Um, especially not in contrast to other of the investors that took part in that round. Um, and some, you know, investors that came up in the discussion are Maven 11. Um, they're based in, in the Netherlands and they have mechanism capital and defiance capital. And so, you know, what happens, and this is a few weeks ago, I think the Merit Circle people asked the seed investors to tell or at least publicly say what they helped with as a seed investor. Um, and so... YGG did not make the cut compared to the other investors. And so now one member of the community, not necessarily like a leadership member, but made a proposal to pay YGG back its initial investments and recover the tokens that were allocated to YGG. Um, the tokens, although the Merit Circle token, I think at its top was like 11 or $12. Now it's around $1. So it, 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 it re got reduced a lot. Um, it's still up. 32x compared to um, the initial seed investment valuation. And so, I mean, I, I think this is absolutely fascinating, right? So very, like in summary, right, TLDR, you have a DAO which got investments initially before the DAO actually, before the community was being built. And one of these seed investors is 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 supposedly um, not living up to expectations. And now there's a proposal to kick them out. Um, 
so yeah, I, I think this is interesting. Um, also, for full disclosure, um, I believed in YGD early. I, you know, when the, the their token went public, I, I bought some tokens. Um, and then later I joined Bitcroft, who is also an investor. So I'm involved with, with YGG. Uh, I'm a fan of what they do. But um, I think this is interesting. Um, and um, yeah, love the dynamics here in general, although I'm not... I don't necessarily agree with the sentiment, but we love your take as well. Um, you know, David, you recently raised a round. How do you think about seed investors that add little value to what happens or, or investors in general? And and what do you think about this this stuff? Yeah, I think uh, it's a good spicy topic, isn't it? It <laughs> it's is like people uh, washing their dirty laundry in public. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's what DAOs are about. Everything gets decided in the open. Yeah, I think that when you're taking investment, it, historically, you'd just be happy to take people's money. I think in, or at least as was a couple of months ago, then then certainly you, it, it seemed that a lot of things, there was more investment money than there was things to invest in. And therefore, people that were looking to get investment, like me, had an amazingly uh, situation where we could actually pick who to take money from, and the criteria by which you, that you might use is who adds value to to who's good to have on speed dial here. But there's but there's no real expectation that hey, if you don't fill it, you know, if you don't offer value or if you don't do what you said you were going to do, then uh, uh, there's some sort of right to apply. So, and I don't think there is here either. I'd be really surprised if in the legal paperwork it says, "Look, if you don't help out, then we're going to we're going to ask for your uh, we're going to give you your money back." Mm -hmm. I'd also say that it's one hundred seventy five thousand dollars. Is that what you said of a five million dollar raise? So it's a tiny amount. So I think, and it's not from a leadership team, as far as I can tell, mm -hmm. a merit circle. Mm -hmm. So if anything, it feels like a bit of posturing from the. Um, that some a community member in Merit Circle saying, YGG don't do anything for us. We're better down than they are. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, you can have your tokens back if you want. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just or sort of throwing back. them into a bit of shade. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And so and I, then, go ahead, uh, Maria. And there might be soft uh, contributions as well, having a new company connected to YGG, which was, at least for me, the first guild that I became aware of, it almost brings maybe a seal of trust and of interest. So even though you can't really quantify the help, you did get that marketing boost mm -hmm. by being associated with YGG. Mm -hmm. 100%. Plus the um, initial capital. I mean, that in itself is just help, right? Like that 175k, even though it might be like a small number, but yeah. that in itself is like something that, you know, the value of which can be multiplied that you know, um, benefits uh, Merit Circle for multiple years. So, um, yeah. yeah. I, I think, um, well, I think I agree. I There's one other thing that's not discussed um, that I've, I haven't heard yet, but I think there's, um, it's easy in retrospect to say like you didn't help, um, but there are worlds in which, you know, if Merit Circle was in trouble, YGG could have helped, right? But they weren't in trouble, mm -hmm. so they didn't help. There's always this optionality that that happens, and then in retrospect, like that path wasn't like followed. So um, you know, I think this is relatively short-sighted, um, and you know, I, I don't think there's any legal basis. There's, there's nothing going to happen here. It's just you know something interesting. And what I like about this is one, um, 
people are I mean, involved, there is something right? going to happen it it has like moved to the voting stage <clears throat> merit circle like has agreed to like move it to voting okay okay and okay yes looking at all the looking at like all the comments yes it's tilting towards a yes <laughs> well i mean i guess the, but the voting is weighted by how much how many tokens you own right Mm. So I'm just saying that the number of comments not that do not necessarily mm. so represent that's, that's fair. Know, that's the, fair. The, the amount of tokens yeah. that are going to be put on certain votes. That's one. I also yep. think that within this this DAO, I don't think there's a legal base to to give them back their tokens. Right? It it, it just doesn't work that way. Uh, sorry, giving back their money and, that, and, and that's why that's why I got confused. Like you know, <clears throat> if that legal base does not exist, then. Uh-huh. Like, why would Merit Circle like agree to move it to vote- voting? Because I mean, if it does turn out as a yes, then mm-hmm. then that action needs to be taken. Well, so. I, I I think this is the interesting part. I think there's a lot of signaling here, which is 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 not bad. One, I think you know this might be a s- subtle move for Merit Circle to position itself like more separate from YGG or or maybe more as a rival. I think, um, you know. I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing. I think this might be a wake-up call. And and I actually really like that community members are now also kind of involved and can see what's going on with, with seed investors. Um, you know, is there any other example where one of the community members around the game suddenly is, you know, angry about the involvement of seed investors um, in that company, right? That, that, that doesn't happen. Mm. And, and and so I really like that people are actually thinking around these things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although I don't necessarily agree mm-hmm. with, with, with the thoughts. I think it's good that, you know, these things are being put into question and um, maybe it's a wake-up call. I don't know. Yeah. There's a, um, it's, it's something similar to equity when you start a company where when you sit in a room and you're just four people deciding what feels like a fair split of the company. Now, um, it's really hard to work out and uh, sort of uncomfortable to work out because you have to say how much value that you're going to bring. You can't then in three or five years time say, um, oh, but you didn't actually give me uh, that much value to the company. In fact, you know, you you quickly snuck into the background and therefore we need to look at that equity again. No, you know, that equity is what felt right at the time and you can't just continually adjust it according to what's happened afterwards. That's just not how it works. You know, that equity is what got you started in the first place and uh, you can conjure up all sorts of parallel universes where this and that happened, but, but you sort of have a commitment, I think, to stick to what seemed right back when you first talked about it. Otherwise, you're forever adjusting it and according to what's happening on the day. Mm-hmm. You can't, I don't think you can, you can't think of ownership of projects or companies in that way. Maybe it is a new way of thinking. I'm very confused on my feelings on all of this, by the way. I, I'm exploring the devil's, the devil's advocate because blockchain and web3 is meant to disrupt the status quo of how things work and perhaps this is a good thing where it's going to change the commitment and having to stay true to what you agree to when you made an agreement or there was a, a you know a business proposal or something you, yeah you have to stick through it and deliver or else you might these consequences might happen Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe there, there maybe a, that's a good thing. 
There is a structure for that. If you if you think that there's important things that a particular party should be doing as part of the investment and it's X, Y, and Z, then put that into the agreement that says you need to do X, Y, and Z. That's that's the value that you're bringing as well as the money. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. But okay. if that wasn't stipulated and it was just sort of vague, I hope you can support what we do, then that's... Uh, hmm. I, I understand what you're saying, Marie. I think it would be nice to see things shake up a little bit and how that works. But I think there are mechanisms to do with that somewhat already. And I actually yeah. okay. think that these mechanisms, instead of putting it in the agreements, can be... Because I really like how you're thinking, Maria. And I actually think that's, you know, okay, I'm, I'm the crypto guy here, but blockchain actually might offer a solution for this, where one of the concerns why you want to put stuff on paper um, is, you know, you, you want to make sure that it can't be changed Um negatively for you in the future by people that might at that point hold control over the company and stuff like that. And so one of the cool things that can happen in, 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 a, in a world or in a, in, in a blockchain with a DAO is that um, you could, for example, code in where, you know, a bunch, so every investor, let's say, gets a certain amount of tokens. And then at the end of every year, um, there is a slice and then the DAO gets to vote on, or, or like there's a proposal made about, okay, how many tokens go to uh, to all of the contributors? And these contributors could be, you know, investors, but they could also be just, you know, DAO members and, and core contributors that actually help build up Merit, Merit Circle. Um, and then the DAO can have a vote on whether that's fair. And, and you know, you can, you can see... Um, this technology of voting and and people actually having value and contributing value uh, being used to more fairly reward people that actually you know help out and 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 mm-hmm. you know um, so I, I think there's there's I think at some point we'll, we'll be in a world like that I don't think we'll ever be there completely because there's also another world in which you know you lock tokens and and so where you can put into code what you're going to do. And if you do it, the uh, the smart contracts automatically grants you your tokens, right? And in that way, everything is automated. Um, I don't think we're ever going to go towards a world towards a world like that, but um, I think we can go in that direction where there's less uncertainty um, and, and more focus on, you know, people receive actually what they earned and they get rewarded for the value that they bring. Yeah, I guess, yeah, my, my biggest pro or like some of the bigger pros were, yeah, first of all, you know, this is probably like the most public display of a DAO in action, you know, like, Mm -hmm. uh, and I really enjoyed like going through all the comments and just seeing like people debate between themselves and, you know, just learning about new things while they're debating and just like figuring out like how the, you know, how the machine actually functions. But yeah, one pro was like just seeing this DAO in action. Um, If the vote, Actually, even it doesn't even matter probably what the result of the vote is, but you know, to your guys' point, it does like put a message out from a merit circle's perspective that like they have or the community uh, they're supporting has a pretty high bar for like partners or you know investors. Like if you guys, are, if someone is going to be <clears throat> uh, becoming a partner or an investor or a seed investor with merit circle, then you better be like you know playing your part and i think that messaging is uh, is like super clear out there um the yeah and sorry there was one more point i wanted to make uh so I, I, i've written it but i can't understand my handwriting anymore <laughs> getting, back to, getting back to the call I've, I've been there man 
um, uh, while, oh, yeah, while oh, yeah, he tried okay, to decide now I understood my handwriting uh, but yeah <laughs> uh, the point was uh, yeah apart from like sending a message to like potential partners and investors it also sends a message to like the broader ecosystem like just Plato and ecosystem and broader DAOs of you know uh, how like how this this thing can function because the whole operational aspect of DAOs is still like a big question mark and everyone is trying to like find their footing right and like how to make it function in the best possible manner and like this is probably the most public display of like one way it could potentially work the one con I felt was um, like just questioning whether the sum of the parts of YGG and Merit Circle would have actually like if the vote becomes yes and for some reason you know the partnership was to break would it would it have actually been uh, better for the entire play and earn blockchain gaming ecosystem if both these entities were together? Because um, one of the one of the uh, key aspects of the partnership was you know um, the sharing of assets when demand for those assets is uh, higher. At the end of the day, YGG and Merit Circle are definitely competitors. Both of them have like around four between four and five k scholars each. I think. So they're pretty equal uh, like that. And then when the demand for these assets is going to outstrip like um, um, like potential supply, then like, you know, sharing of these assets between uh, between the entities and creating like a revenue share agreement over there is actually better for the the one entity that actually matters, which are those the people who are the scholars, you know? Mm. And now if like these two entities are like, because of some uh, community guy who's, you know, posturing or signaling or whatever, like, you know, there are people in the Philippines who are getting affected by by this. And uh, and that, I felt like that was probably like a one potential con, which just kind of hits at the root of like why these guilds even exist, you know? And like the value they actually bring to the ecosystem. And, um, but yeah, that that was like one con I thought of. That's, that, that just made me think about company culture, where you have a company, you set your cultural values from the founders, and everyone that you hire, everyone that's part of the company has to embody and um, evangelize those values. How do you do that in a DAO? Because even if Merit Circle said, these are all values to be part of this community, by being token-based, how can you ensure that everyone who makes a proposal has to make a proposal that takes into consideration how it affects the scholars? And does this make any sense? I feel, I feel like, like um, the more decentralized that the, I mean, it is a decentralized autom- autonomous organization and the more decentralized it is, the in an ideal scenario and probably the way it's supposed to be implemented is those values uh, or like maintaining those values is de-risk because it is decentralized. The more parties that actually are there or involved in the uh, decision-making process, the more the chance that those values are upheld, you know, and it's not like based on a single person, or at least that's how I would think about it. But. Interesting. I feel like um, DAOs are essentially a new way for people to work together, and we're still figuring so much stuff out that's, it feels like culture is almost one of the last things that we as humans have figured out when we started working together, where it's first get shit done and then, you know, get shit done in, in like a sustainable way where we all agree and, 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 and actually like to work together. Maybe I'm wrong, right? But but I feel like 
from what I've seen in DAOs, um, there's a lot of focus. Like the culture is almost the the crypto culture where it's all uh, very open, very decentralized, um, you know, very open. But apart from that, I don't. I haven't seen much other culture, like separate culture, like you mentioned, Maria, where you know we focus on on, on our guild members. That's that's key, and you know everything should reflect that. Um, this is a good question. Yeah, but uh, YGG has a ton of culture. Like it, you can really feel it. I mean, I don't know quite how they achieve that, but um, it certainly feels a certain way. So they've been able to achieve it in their DAO even though they're fully remote and operate in a different way. So it's certainly possible, yes. but you're right. don't know how. Yeah. One, one last point I want to make, and this is kind of separate, but it's something that they kept pushing on in the proposal. Um, can, can I mention, like, can we go on a small, small tangent, Maria? Uh, uh, we still have uh, Manu's <laughs> topic. topic. Okay. Is it one minute? Is it no, it's not quick? one minute. It's it's longer. Is it about chicken? It's not about chicken. <laughs> um, okay, let's go, let's go give it. it. Maybe like, maybe I like maybe no. This is this is. I feel like no, this is. I, I, I'm going to touch upon this in the crypto corner sometime. It it, it merits okay. its own discussion. I feel. Um, okay. And now so now, you now put, you got you me know, curious. You should put it in the Discord, and then there's like bonus content in the Discord yeah. for. <laughs> anyway, so it's it's about. So I'll tell us. I'll we don't talk about it. I'll just you know Teaser. hint Teaser. hint at what, yeah. what the yeah. subject is. So, um, one of the complaints that is being made is that YGG spins out a lot of sub DAOs. So YGG, mm. there's uh, Indie GG, and there's a bunch of other uh, YGG sub DAOs sub which DAOs, are location yeah. specific, and so. One of the comments or concerns that the people here had um, is that this dilutes the value of YGG because they're just mm. fundraising and you know or, or getting more funds and it dilutes the value of of, of the YGG token. Um, and so you know I'd love to have a conversation about that because I think that's really interesting. Um, but we're not doing that. So with this, um, you know, I, I give the floor to Manu and I'll keep that for for another time. Crypto corner battle of the DAOs. Ooh. You know, there's some kind of DAO roundup. Yes, uh, it would be fun. It's okay. Okay, for me, it's more than a it's it's more than a DAO thing. It's more like a yeah. Okay. Good. Good. <laughs> well, uh, Anil's <laughs> company, uh, First Light Games, partnered with Merit Circle for Blast Royale, so maybe it could be a good mm. guest for for that discussion. Um, just before we move on, you were very impressed with my way of thinking. Did you think ah, Maria GMI? <laughs> <laughs> Dao should think about culture first instead of culture last. I, I think I do, Mar yeah. Maria. Even I'm impressed. Look, it's. I think I'm gonna. I'm gonna. It's gonna be more rewarding for you at some point when you do like something insane that really, really impresses me, and you know it, right? So I'm impressed, <laughs> but I'm not gonna tell you Maria's GMI yet. I'll no. tell. I'll tell you what it is, Maria. You need to like do the chicken butterfly. You know, yes. really, really. I well. do a great <laughs> chick. I do a great chicken dance, Maria. Tonight so you're gonna you're gonna drink liquid food. Sorry, your NGMI. That, that's that's what I think about that. <laughs> and the context here is that Maria's been fishing for a GMI from Nico for a little while yeah. now, hoping to get it. He keeps telling but me NGMI. Yeah, well, Damn don't it. beg for it, no. Maria. That's not the way. To get it. Okay. Yeah, you'll yeah. you'll get there. I'm sure. You're on the right track. Play play hard to get with the GMIs. They'll come. <laughs> oh, okay. Should be harder to get. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, money. Well, what do you have today? All right. Um, yeah. So, last topic <coughs> of the day. Um, there is an uh, there's a new article that's been doing the rounds, um, and uh, it's written by 
you guys might have to help me with this last name nat eli eliason i think <laughs> i've been saying eliason uh, i might be wrong eliason eliason okay eliason eliason that's what i was going to say eliason eliason okay yeah and anyway so he is he's been like really blowing up in the you know crypto gaming writing scene uh, at the moment uh, a lot of really great thoughts um, and just back to back you know awesome posts um he's also um an advisor at uh, crypto readers um and he's assisting them with like game economy and tokenomics um crypto readers in itself is also a really good game so you know um this article he wrote about the current problems in crypto gaming and you know potential solutions and um the title of the article is crypto gaming is broken how do we fix it and coming from you know the advisor of crypto readers which is uh which is like yeah pretty like a core crypto uh, game gaming experience you know so um but yeah <clears throat> just to kind of like summarize uh he didn't really have like a key you know um like thesis like a red line across the whole article he more more kind of like structured it as here are like seven problems that i see in crypto gaming right now and here are like nine solutions that you know we could be thinking about implementing into the future and all these seven problems i'm really glad like you know someone actually wrote it because a lot of these conversations are happening behind the scenes and no one is you know talking about it uh, publicly and he like in very simple words he was able to just capture a lot of those conversations in text so i would highly recommend the read um I won't go over like all of it but um in general you know I agree with a lot of what he's saying so I thought maybe I could focus on some of the points where I maybe disagreed a little bit uh <laughs> after giving him all the praise so again I highly recommend the piece but um on the problems uh, side of it there were two very interesting points that he made one is nfts set a bad precedent for games and the second is defi set a bad precedent for games and both of these points are connected to you know um both nfts and defi um uh, or defi mechanics like staking or yield farming um because crypto games have like you know or like a lot of the early crypto games originated from crypto native teams they have like taken a lot of those uh, you know scarcity mechanics from that proper values of nfts uh, and also yield farming and staking mechanics that are used in defi to over to like the game space and they're implementing it in the same way and it's now hurting the game space more than it's actually helping maybe it like had a little bit of a initial hype and a lot of people were able to make a lot of you know profit on that but uh nat's uh thinking is like we should move away from you know that kind of a thinking longer term and um for example not like one of his recommendations to do away with staking completely i guess my only like um I would probably just reframe what he says a little bit uh to more of I feel like there's still so for example like the NFT set a bad precedent in games his point is you know it's all about like scarcity and you can't like you know create a strong community just by offering you know 10000 NFTs at the start but on the flip side there is actually or it's proven that you know that scarcity can be monetized really well 
but maybe there's just a better balance in terms of you know how many of those nfts are actually available uh for people to actually get in early so i my takeaway from this wouldn't be like you know we should like like nft set a bad precedent for games it's more that they have set a precedent but you can still kind of use it as design inspiration to kind of build on it and find a better balance because there is definitely value in scarcity but to achieve like you know more adoption early on uh, or to uh, or yeah, to achieve like more adoption early on or to achieve you know um uh, initial funding for your like future plans there is still value in like having that scarcity uh, early on so yeah that was like my one point just to like still get inspired from some of those mechanics but maybe maintain a better balance um and yeah the second point and then I'll stop talking but uh, on the defi point um you know he was talking about staking like and uh, you know staking in itself is uh, it's a complete ponzi loop uh, or yield farming specifically is a complete ponzi loop staking is probably a little bit more better um and um the recommendation is like completely do away with staking but again i would say that you know there are games right now that have actually implemented staking in a way that uh is not really the ponzi loop part of it and they have been able to take inspiration from how staking works but applying it more in a fitting game context so the takeaway i feel shouldn't be like do away with staking but rather uh it's an opportunity to to embrace the tech and what it enables in terms of a mechanic and then you can kind of like reshape it to kind of fit in a games space so um for example it is entirely possible to like purchase an nft early on and then stake it and then while it is staking it's actually gaining in game utility that can be like used when the game actually launches for example a character leveling up while it's been staked i mean that's that's like to i feel that would still completely work and you get the upside of you know the initial investment for the nfts and like uh, the the nft itself will continue to grow in value because in game utility is actually increasing over time and until the game launches and third the person who actually staked the nft retains until the game launches and propagates to like broader community hey come and check out this game like there's so many upsides of that mechanic so like doing a wave it's taking just felt like off a little bit um but yeah anyway uh i'll stop talking but <laughs> uh i just generally felt like um though yeah a lot of the problems that he uh, identified are definitely problems but um in terms of takeaways i wouldn't be like super harsh about like completely doing away with things but rather using them as a foundation to stand on and like reframing things so that you can use the technology in new ways in a gaming context. I got a lot to say about this, but um as resident DJ and I want to hear what Nico has to say first. <laughs> All right, thanks. No, I um I think I I generally agree with with my new stakes and and that stakes, although I would probably frame them differently. Um I think you know, saying NFTs set a bad precedent for games and DeFi set a bad precedent for games i would frame it like the way i would say it is the way nfts and defi have been used in games um are are suboptimal and are being over indexed on and so it feels like what he says and, and and i think everyone agrees right this whole dynamic of 
10,000 NFTs, which I think was spearheaded. Was this with the punks? I don't even know where that started, but it 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 started somewhere with there, these, right? The FP projects. Yeah, exactly. So. And so, yeah. and so it's it's funny how this this number and this range of 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 between a thousand and and, and ten thousand mm-hmm. is suddenly like the go-to initial mint and and so what I'm the, the reason why I, I agree is I feel like um so for me blockchain adds a value layer on top of the internet that that's the the thing that you'll hear me say much more that I've said a few times already um and this allows game builders to do interesting things right and so for me an example like a staking mechanism is for me it is you're locking up value um and you're you're committing to not not moving that value for a certain amount of time and so these are all economic primitives that you can play around with and you can build something around um right before this it was hard to have a native value integration into your game which opens up the game immediately to the broader economy right that was pretty hard and now through this blockchain technology it's possible and so for me um we're taking i see too many pitches of 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 projects that are looking at what has been done by companies like axie or others and using that as as a source of inspiration and so my frustration is i want to see more experimentation i want to see people you know do things that haven't been done and do crazy, crazy, interesting um, experiments. And so one example that I'll, I'll give you, and, and this is random, but, but if, if you listen to my conversation with the uh, Treasure DAO team, um, I did it a few few weeks ago, they were talking about liquidity pools. It's a concept, we're not going to go into it. We've already discussed it, discussed it a few times, but your position in a liquidity pool is an NFT. And so they were assigning utility within the game to the NFT that represents your stake within a liquidity pool. And these are like super interesting like fundamental uses of economic primitives that actually make sense, right? A liquidity pool is useful. It provides liquidity, as the name suggests. And so my point is, I agree with Nat. The way he phrases it might be just clickbaity, right? But I agree with it, right? The way things are being done right now is suboptimal. Um, And and my point is, I agree. I think, I don't think there should, we should do away with staking. I think the locking value up for a certain amount of time is a useful primitive, something people can use to design around or design with. but I agree that we're looking too much at, at what has been done and using that as an inspiration um, for new games. Was that was that an okay answer, David? What do you think? I'm satisfied with okay, that answer. Good. Thank you. Um, <laughs> what I was going to say, John e Jordan. From the who, professor. Well, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> See me after for your diploma. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the John Jordan has this phrase. John Jordan's a journalist that's been documenting blockchain for a while. Says. Is it a bug? Is it a feature? Mm. Which is, and a lot of things that you look in, there's so many broken things about the world of blockchain games that you say, well, that's a bug that needs to be fixed. But also it's the thing that's sort of interesting about it. So sure, there's some things that don't quite add up when you write it all down and it doesn't make a lot of sense, but that also is the thing that makes it interesting. Why is it that, 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 that why is it attractive to people? Why is it interesting? Why are we talking about it? That mm-hmm. suggests to me that there's something cool there. And all right, yes, it might not be optimized. Mm. The, the other sort of connected point is that um, I think in game design, I've worked with a lot of game designers. I, I, sometimes when you say, I don't think that or, you know, playing something doesn't feel quite right, some designers will take a incremental step to fixing it. Maria will know what I'm talking about, which is like, oh, we'll adjust this a little bit, adjust this a little bit. Another strategy is to just go too far the other way, just go all the way down here 
and now see what happens. And then maybe the answer is somewhere in the middle, or maybe it's not. Maybe you even have to go further. But I think that, you know, what what what's described in that article is a lot of weird new game design ideas that have just pulled video game mechanics uh, ideas in a completely different di- direction. And so I wouldn't be too quick to throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's taken us to a really interesting place. And, uh, you know, there may be a little, a few corrections here and there, but I think that I, I wouldn't be sad about anything in that article. I think they're all interesting um, game ideas that got us to a new place in the games industry. Mm-hmm. So I'm not ready to be, to pass judgment too heavily on what's come before. <laughs> I, I c- completely agree. And my position about companies that are exploring this space, I, they're brave, you know, they're facing this unknown world, being experimental, trying to adapt concepts into gaming that exist elsewhere. You're going to fail, you're going to have to improve and you'll find things that don't work and then find how to make them work. And I don't know if uh, the content is amazing. I definitely, I, when I read it, I thought, wow, someone's pulled together all of my different strains of thought and put it in an article that was very interesting to read. I don't know if the way of it, the way it was written was clickbaity or if, I don't know, not personally. I don't know, maybe it was frustrated when, when he wrote this. I, I agree that there are problems, but it's not broken. We need to understand the root causes and then... Um, improve it over time with experimentation, like you're saying, David. It's game design. We'll experiment and find, and find what works and what doesn't work. And I think that's why I want to comment on a few things that are in the article because I worked at Jagex. I didn't work specifically on RuneScape, um, but I have enough knowledge about the player base where I want to refute some of the things that are in the article. Um, Do it. So, for example, in the much of the play to earn is bullshit work, sorry for my language, um, it it mentions RuneScape where in MMOs you go and mining for copper and you're just doing clicks and it's boring because you're earning from logging in a few, in a, sorry, every few hours to click a few buttons where the game could just remove all of that un- unnecessary activity and then focus on the fun stuff. Players are into this AFK style playing and going into the game. Look at Everdale. Yeah, Everdale is the turning is like the fun stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Everdale you know, is turning yeah. this this concept around his head. Where before you wanted to maximize player sessions, and Everdale is trying to ma- maximize check-ins um, because there there are players who just like we scroll our feeds on Twitter, on Instagram. We like that mental break, and we just want to go do this physical movement that feels nice. And you can be watching your Siri or you could be cooking, you're open, you're, you open RuneScape and you go and do these menial activities and you feel good. It's fun. So there are different kinds of fun out there. And so you can target your game to those player segments. Um, and yeah, RuneScape players are into the clicking. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me find the... There's a, there's a lot of ga- gatekeeping about a, a fun in the games industry. I've seen that a lot where people say that's not fun. Remember when Farmville came along and said, well, that's not a real game or the Wii isn't a real game or whatever. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, if people are having a fun time with it, then it's, it's fun. Yeah, it's there's fun. different... Don't, don't overanalyze it. There are different kinds yeah. of fun. Sorry, this is my last point. Um, mm-hmm. So within free-to-play game, 
we're not trying to keep the player forever having things to do in the game. A lot of the free-to-play game design mechanics come from timers, uh, from refreshing attempts. So you can, it, it creates a style of play where you're expected to leave and not burn out because that, that's a really important thing about games. You don't, it's like not for all games, you don't want your player to be there for eight hours a day because they'll go through the content and you don't have enough of a content treadmill. Um, they'll get bored, they'll get burnt out from the mechanics. And so you want to control their experience to go and, um, and come back. And so the no, not limiting play, I don't think it's entirely true. And we've seen that be very successful in free to play games where yeah, you can have fun, you can do earning, but you can't play it all the time. And this is what makes me really excited about like, free-to-play game developers trying to do games and blockchain and uh, people from different backgrounds merging all of their knowledge. Yeah, well, we'll find this together. The, the one idea that, um, yeah, that really stuck out to me and I feel is probably, you know, going to be, um, it's going to be like an ongoing thing with these blockchain economies is this point about... Uh, that he makes about separating the internal and external economies. Um, I knew you're going to say this. And yeah, I mean, this is. Uh, I think Aaron mentioned it in the last uh, in the last podcast. But um, so Elo from our consulting team. So shout out to Elo. She actually on a project that we were doing about like three months back. Uh, she actually came up with this idea also herself, where she was just like coming from free to play roots. She was just questioning like, why the hell does a currency like SLP need to be on chain? You know, like, why are you affecting your internal economy by something that is affected by, you know, market forces outside? Uh, why can't it be in a world where you have SLP off-chain, it's completely working internally, and you have, you know, AXS uh, or your governance token on-chain? Um, and that's, like, the most valuable thing in the game. It's used for, like, the biggest moves that you can make in the game in terms of progression. Um, and it's also used you know, utility in terms of governance, etc. And when, so, you know, I was playing reviewer on that project. And when I heard the idea, I was like, hmm, that, that actually makes a lot of sense. I don't know why it's, uh, you know, right. not happening. Right. Like I, that. I, yeah. I, I have something to say about that. And similarly, I, and this is a critique of some uh, Navic research as well. So don't take this start, but, but, I, sometimes I think that when you analyze something, Nico will remember a time we were at an event when the Axie and uh, Navic deconstruction mm -hmm. was just released. Do you remember that? Which is a very thorough, uh, uh, what do you call it, reverse engineering of the economy of Axie and saying, hey, it doesn't make sense and it's not fun. So, uh, or, or something along those lines. And Nico actually put the question <laughs> the to Alex, who's, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's, good, it's a great it's a great piece sorry <laughs> but uh nico put the point to alex uh at, at sky mavis at this mm -hmm. event and he says you don't understand why people are playing it you know he didn't refute anything in the article but he said that's you you, you don't understand the power of community and i think that sometimes when you analyze games you, you you're trying to make it add up like some kind of formula and it doesn't work like that it's other things that you can't really rationalize why do people play farmville and cow clicker and all those things why are they interesting you know why do people play it shouldn't be there's nothing sensible about that but there is something that's so i'm 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 uh when i hear about new game ideas like that that are clearly popular people like it then i'm 
I'm not quick to say that uh, they're bad ideas. I'm, I'm, I'm more interested in finding out what it is that's appealing to people. Can I, I guess, I guess there's like a even in even in games building, there's definitely there's an art portion of it, which is the more like you know, the more flimsy stuff that you maybe people would like you know, um, you know, uh, discard when they hear it. For the first time or they don't understand when they get it is the art portion of it which probably is all the game design but there's definitely the science portion of it also and one if if there were you know game design laws for blockchain games probably one of the laws would be that there's more money uh, coming into the system than there is like leaving the system and to achieve that law and economic sustainability I mean, you could think about it like scientifically and break it down. And this separating the internal and external economies part of it is a step in that direction. I mean, if these blockchain games are going to be, you know, um, or if they want to be like sustainable, long-term sustainable economies running for 10 plus years and basically everything that Nico wants in this world. And <laughs> so, you know, then I think there is a portion of it that can be thought about as like a science. And and this this specific point i feel is going to be like pretty important um towards those sustainable uh blockchain game economies um but yes uh while axie was there you know you're right like axie is definitely like played its role right um why people played it uh <laughs> the kind of money that they were making uh, when it when they were able to make that kind of money uh you know uh that that was all uh, well and good but now they aren't. Well, still, and and well, the, and, uh, and here's the thing: they're still playing, right? So uh, yes, okay. The, the, I, the I don't know. Like actually, bit, I would but, like question the whole community thing now. Like I remember, like Alex actually uh, saying that, and he also like commented the same on the LinkedIn post. Um, but I mean, at least like from what I'm seeing in the community, like it's I, I don't think sentiment is really the same anymore. A lot of like. What do you think, Nico? Yeah. I don't know. You I don't say. know exactly what I, I have something to say about the subject, but not not with regards to specifically what's happening in the community at, at Axie. Um, mm. But and and I feel like this this will probably like this could be its own episode in itself, right? Where we talk mm. about separating the internal and external economies. And again, like this is something that I I think you know I I I get the idea, but I would frame it differently. For me, the point that he makes is um, your game should be fun and 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 people should enjoy playing whether the token is worth one fraction of a cent or ten dollars right that's the point that, he, mm -hmm. that he's making um and i don't think that that is an issue of internal and ex external economies or or even with the blockchain because there is a thing called a um a stable coin and you know we all know what stable coins are because you listened to last week's episode right so you know <laughs> and you also know that they're risky okay that's 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 maybe not the best re like thing to bring up right but my point is that there is a way to even keeping your game open or your game economy open to make sure that it's like that there's still like a stable um value um wherever it's generated or or absorbed or like w however it's designed and so my point is that um you can like my point the way i would phrase this is don't let your game be dependent or make care be careful that the fun of your game is not influenced by high value high, high fluctuations in, in the value of the token more than you know separate the internal and external economies because there's way around it using the tools that that exist on the blockchain today 
Yeah. 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 I think there's definitely yeah. like not one way to do it. Um, the stablecoin idea is actually also pretty interesting. Uh, I, I think Skyweavers also implemented it like that. It's it's a idea that I haven't really looked into too much, but um, I will. Uh, it makes it makes but, the Ponzi yeah. nomics very hard. So you know, it's um, I think it's good. You know, for for sustainable games at least. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah. Anyway. Highly recommend the We're article. over the time. Uh, everyone um, should read it. <laughs> yeah, I feel we do need to bring this topic back. I have more going through through my mind as well. I'm telling you, crypto is so interesting. It's fantastic. <laughs> and free to play. Hey, there was supposed to be a limit on crypto topics on these roundtables, and I think we're breaking that. It's, it's two thirds because you and I are on talking about DAOs. This was free to play merged with uh, crypto. Yeah, I agree. Right. I agree. A little bit. Yeah. The, the, the boundaries, looking at the market, the boundaries are starting to become fuzzy. I agree. It's becoming very, very hard to have this very clear-cut distinction between between mm -hmm. the two. Interesting. Um, if you want to join the conversation, join us on the Navic Discord. David already, you know, incentivized Nico to have more spicy conversations on Discord. <laughs> maybe about chicken, maybe not. Mm. Who knows? <laughs> Yeah, and um, if you want to have access to all of this research that we've been talking about, you can become a member of Navic Pro. Um, visit the, the Navic website to find out more. And yeah, we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for joining. That was a bye very bye. interesting discussion. Oh, and use and use the code Metacast for a ten percent discount. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, that's why we need money. One, he he he, he, he oh. shares the discounts. <laughs> that's for reward for listening right till the end of the podcast. Exactly. <laughs> Suffer through this. Take your time, get a Metacast 10% discount. <laughs> <There you> <laughs> <laughs> right. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Take care.